Hi, I'm Ali. And I'm Penny, and you're listening to Not Too Busy to Write. The podcast about writing, publishing and creativity amongst life's many other demands. Hello, Tam. This week we're going to be talking about um, writing in small, tiny spaces of time, which is something that both of us have been asked by other people to talk about. So we thought it'd be interesting. Um, But firstly, I will say I'm very sad I missed out on the last episode. (laughs) Um, But one of the... um, one of the reasons that Ali and I wanted to do this podcast together, obviously it's really fun for us to get together and chat, but also the flexibility it allows us with the many unusual demands on our time that we both have. Um, and also I am going to mention that I have just had my COVID vaccine and I'm feeling a bit dopey and not very well. So um, please forgive me if I stumble over my words today. Um, but it seems like probably a good time to talk about writing in small pockets of time um given the strangeness of the last couple of weeks for me i was in isolation again with a very noisy demanding child hence why i could not record um and so um ali i know this is something that you have been practicing for many years as well writing in tiny spaces of time yeah i have been um unintentionally I would rather have <laughs> long, long stretches of time to write in, but um, it's just the nature of motherhood and life. Um, yeah, I wrote my first book mainly in really short snatches of time. I would write, um, I had longer times for um, Sunday afternoon and Thursdays, but besides that, I was writing in nap times and bedtimes um, and evenings that I was awake enough to be able to carry on after I brought the laptop down from the kids' bedroom. So yeah, I've been finessing the art of writing in short <laughs> stretches of times, unintentionally finessing it um, for quite some time. But I think um, it's completely possible. It really is one of these things that you think, oh, I can't do it because 3,000 words is a lot to write or a chapter is very long or I won't write it perfectly or I won't do this or I won't do that and I can't do this and there's all these reasons um, why but it's something that's completely achievable it's just that kind of switch that mind switch that needs to happen. That's so important because I think I am also a big fan of deep work where you get big chunks of time at least three hours at a time for me that's ideal Mm -hmm. but we have to get out of this idea in a way that we always have our ideal um, working environment <laughs> to work with. And so if we become too fixated on that ideal, then it can stop us from working in the pockets that we do find. Um, yeah. So it'd be really interesting to, f- to ask you, first of all, like what, um, is there any strategies that over the years that you've come up with that can help you um, switch into that mode and switch into writing mode? Um, I think that part of me is always in writing mode, unfortunately, so that I'm kind of always thinking about it or always um, fixating about it, perhaps might be a better (laughs) word. But yeah, I think I'm always a little bit um, one foot in it, which is probably really helpful for when it comes to sitting down to getting some words onto the page. What I would do is I find that I do a lot of work when I'm not actually sitting down so for a long time um, when the kids were wee I would take them out to get them to sleep in the buggy and I would 
push the double buggy. I had like a big um, bugaboo donkey and I would be pushing the kids to get them to sleep, praying that they would go to sleep. And while I was doing that, I would be thinking about what I was working on. So I would be doing like development work in my head and mm. sending myself um, messages as well. <laughs> if I had yeah. like sometimes lines would pop into my head and I'd be like, Oh my God, that's such a good line. I get all my best lines when I don't have anything to write them down. It's just mm-hmm. perverse. But um, yeah, so I find that if when you're not actually sitting down, you can still get an awful lot done because you can be thinking about what you need to do or you can be ironing out problems because writing is really just problem solving as well so that really helps so then when you actually go to sit down you're just you can hit the ground running yeah one thing that would help with that is when I did have like a short space of time to write so I was writing um say nap times I kind of roughly knew that Mm -hmm. morning would be taken up by doing something with the kids it would be play group or it would be this or it would be that and then once the boys went to school there was only one child's nap times to consider so I knew that I would have from about 12 o'clock to two o'clock potentially if I was really on a good day (laughs) on a good day but I would have maybe between 12 and 1 so I kind of knew that that would happen and I would have to get out from underneath her because she would always go to sleep when she was feeding and have to get out from underneath (laughs) her and plop her onto the sofa and then I'd go over onto the other chair and start to work but just the knowledge that I would probably have that time would really help so in the morning when we walked back from playgroup I would be thinking about what I was going to do and then I would just be like ready to pounce as soon as she went to sleep but um what I would always do at the end of a session would be write notes about what I was going to do next yeah so that if my train of thought had been interrupted or if I'd been in like the really kind of intense creative place in my head I could jot down where it was going um because I think that's really um annoying if you're in the middle of a chapter and you need to kind of have the same attention or it needs to have the same tone and there's lots of kind of things that you have to match up and you can't always write a whole chapter in a stretch Mm -hmm. so to be able to have notes so I would look at the notes and it would be much faster to come back to and I actually still do that now so that when I've finished um for the day or think I've finished then I write down what I need to do next so it makes going back to it the next day Um, much easier and a bit less daunting as well because I think it can seem really daunting if you've been working on something and you've really enjoyed it and then you've got to go away from it and then you've got to try and work out where you were and And then you've got to get back into it again yeah yeah Yeah. but I think you touched on something else really important as well which is that when you only have tiny pockets of time frequency then becomes really really important yeah so you're never very far away from the project and Mm -hmm. I think that to me is the way that I would be able to dip in and out easily is if I did it frequently when you're only doing it once a week, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think in my ideal world, I have a couple of pockets a week that are longer. And then, then if I have to then spend the the rest of the time that I have to write in small pockets, then that's okay. Mm -hmm. But then the frequency becomes much more important than the smaller Mm -hmm. the pockets are. It really becomes important. I think that's a really really good point as well because for a long time I only had because I was the kids were really wee and I was exhausted because I was Mm -hmm. you know looking after them really intensely and I only had one day a week to write and I did find it really hard to get back 
into it mm. after having mm-hmm. six days away from it it was it was impossible um to keep a momentum and I think it is the momentum that's the most important thing if you yeah. can somehow just try and have just a little bit of time and realize yeah. that you know you only need to get 500 words down you don't need to write a whole chapter it's nice yeah, to be able to write a whole you- chapter and if some days you only have 20 minutes, like don't be scared to write for 20 minutes because mm-hmm. the frequency of that will keep you in the project. Yeah. Because if you're only doing 20 minutes a week, that's really, really hard because you take 20 minutes just to kind of figure out where you are in the project. But if you're mm-hmm. doing 20 minutes a day, I mean, it's not ideal by any means. I'm not talking, this is not ideal doing 20 minutes a day. I know it wouldn't be for me. Some people it might work well, but if that's all you can do, the frequency is what help, will help you. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Like I, um, I find actually 45 minutes a really great time for me yeah. to work. Um, it doesn't sound like very much, but it's definitely enough time to get into it. Cause I think it can take me about 10 or 15 minutes to get into the swing of something. But then it's actually, I am always blown away by how much I can get done in 45 minutes. Um, and one of the things I've been doing for the past sort of six months or so um, is I'm part of a online business membership. Um, which, you know, has lots of courses and masterminds and different things in it. Um, it's it's not very expensive monthly cost. But but one of these side um, things, and it's um, Janet Murray's um, membership, um, and I'll put a link in the show notes. But, but one of the side things that she does is just a part of this membership is that you, um, every week she does these, these virtual co-working um, sessions, and there's four every day at different times of the day, depending on what suits your needs. Like what, there's one at 6.30 in the morning, and then there's, you know, mid-morning and a midday and a kind of mid-afternoon one. And you just sign up, you go on these joint Zooms, it's hosted by by somebody. And all you do is like, you have your, um, your uh, audio muted, and you type in the sidebar what it is that you're working on for 45 minutes, you leave your cameras on, and you're all watching each other work for 45 minutes. <laughs> it's amazing how much you can get done when you know you're just sitting there in front of your computer doing one task for 45 minutes and and because it's a business program most people run their own businesses they use it to you know do their newsletters and their blogs and that kind of stuff um but like in november for instance i used it to do NaNoWriMo and i did it loads and um and it, it was slightly embarrassing to be like yes i'm actually working on fiction when everyone else is doing something business related but um it is incredible how that 45 minutes and at the end you switch on your audio and then everybody just chats for like just two or three minutes about how much they managed to get done and the shared aspect of that is so powerful and i used to be able to write a lot in those 45 minute sessions when I was using it for that. And I would always choose the 2 p.m. slot because 2 p.m. is such a slump part of the Mm -hmm. day for me. So if I wasn't being slightly forced to work or not forced, but if I didn't have a good reason to sit down and work, it would be so easy to be like wandering off and doing something a bit vague before Mm -hmm. the school run. But um, I would do this 45 minutes of intense, quick writing right before the school run. And it was super, super effective. So I would highly recommend something like that. And obviously there is loads of places you can do virtual writing sessions. And the London Writers Salon does them every day as well. I don't know if you've seen them. Um, they're on Instagram. Go check them out on Instagram. But it's like hosted writing groups. But That's you don't clever. necessarily chat. Yeah. But you're just all online at the same time. And I, they're one-hour sessions. And I think... I haven't done many of them because they do um, their main London one is, is like eight to 9am because it's aimed at people who are 
working from home um, who clearly don't have children if they're doing it from 8 to 9 a.m. Unless, of course, maybe you have partners that you can swap with. But um, they do, I've just noticed they do now have different time zones. So I'm going to be able to do more of them now if some of them are in the middle of the day. Um, but that's another really great. And the thing, obviously, that one's a writing specific one. So mm. it's a great way of just being like, right, okay, I'm going to spend this hour working and people are watching me. So I'm not going to get off, get up and make a cup of coffee and pot around. I'm going to sit and I'm going to write. That's quite funny because my daughter um, said to me earlier, oh, mom, have you heard there's this weird thing? It's just weird study Zooms and people just sit on Zoom and just study yeah. and nobody talks to each other. And um, I was like, maybe it's, maybe it's to um, help people who, because my daughter's really good actually at just sitting down and studying but obviously it's that kind of there's other people there and you can just motivate yourself to do it because there's other people there yeah and you're all all working at the same time and you're all just getting on with it not getting distracted by other things Uh, is really powerful it seems like it shouldn't be but somehow it's really powerful um I think there are other places that do it but yes those are the two that I've done that I would recommend I think I'm so nosy that I'd be distracted because I would try and watch the people, which sounds really creepy. I wouldn't watch them in a creepy (laughs) way, but I think I would just be like, I used to find exams really distracting at school because everyone was kind of in this very strange environment. And I used to just want to watch what everyone was doing in their strange environment. But it sounds like if it's something that works, um, then it works. And then that's brilliant. It's certainly not for everyone, but if it's, it is worth a try if mm-hmm. you're struggling with just um, fitting something in because you're getting distracted by all the other demands yeah. and you know you can't do hours and hours of work, but you've just got a little slot mm. that you could give yourself. Perhaps yeah. even lunchtime from your other work um, if you're working from home and you can you can have a lunch break or things like that. Because it is incredible. I think if you know, and that's that's the key really, is to be prepared to know what you're going to work on before you sit down. It's absolutely amazing how much you can get written because it used to be, it would take me about 45 minutes for the kids to fall asleep after I read them their bedtime story for the boys to um, go to sleep. And that 45 minutes, I would just get so much done because I would only have the laptop. I made sure I didn't have my phone around. And I think that's also a really important thing um, if you're writing in short bursts is just leave your phone alone. Have it yeah. in another room, have it, just... it somewhere else, have all your windows shut on your laptop or whatever you're working on and just do not let anything else get in the way of that time you really just have to um shut it off I had to have that nap time was work time yeah and yeah it just had to be what I did boundaries yeah but I (laughs) think um in those years that I didn't have um space to write between um the day that I did have to write when it was quite difficult um my husband I'm sure he won't mind me saying this but we would have quite volatile conversations which some people might um call arguments about (laughs) being able to work more often and I was exhausted so I didn't feel that I could work more often but once I started um when the boys were off to school and once I actually started examining how I spent my time Mm -hmm. I realized that I had far more pockets of time than I ever thought I did have um and I think that's also really important yeah I think it is I mean it's just like that whole thing of me sitting down at two o'clock 
to write for 45 minutes before the school run it's we sometimes tell ourselves we don't have time when we do and that's a whole another episode I think we could be doing as well I think it is because it becomes I know that I've been guilty of this in the past that I told myself that I didn't have time and then it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because I didn't find the time or I didn't make the time um and I think uh we spoke about this about time logging before yeah and in fact actually because I've done some workshops on on helping people around their time and creating time and time logging and I think we were talking about maybe we should just do it we we should just do another two-week block of time Um, logging and invite everybody else to join us who wants to I think Um, and then we can talk about the results because it is always so fascinating how you actually spend your time as opposed Mm -hmm. to how you think you spend your time. And it's always different, no matter how efficient you are. And it's nothing actually to do with efficiency. It's about to do with where you put your attention. So where Mm -hmm. you, where, how aware you are of what you do every day. Um, And we can create pockets for ourselves, but we also shouldn't, I think, because let's be honest, many people listening won't have huge pockets of time. They'll have little pockets of time. And so we shouldn't be afraid of um of accessing those little pockets just because Mm -hmm. it's not a big pocket um yeah so one other thing that i thought would be worth mentioning because i think i've I've talked to other writers who do this as well um i sometimes listen to a certain piece of music if i need to very quickly jump into to a piece of work do you do that um yeah i love a playlist um (laughs) I, i partly use music for a couple of reasons I think that you can have that kind of like brain I suppose it is it's brain training isn't it that mm, you like have trigger. yeah yeah this is my work signal and I sit down and I do this um but when I was writing uh the last days it was uh quite a traumatic book to write mm. and so but also there was a lot of um memories that I had to access and go back into Mm. so I made a playlist that moved um through time so there was a lot of songs from when I was little and they would completely trigger memories and they're songs that I'd avoided it for a long time because of the triggers but um if I so I would put the playlist on and I would if I needed to be in 1987 I would get the songs from then if I needed to be writing something that was later on I would put that on and it could just kind of flip me into it um, and then I had a song that I would listen to when I was finished just to kind of bring me back. Oh, that's so, such a good idea. Yeah, I had my soothing song for at yeah. the end. It wasn't soothing at all, but it was for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that I probably have earned Phoebe Bridgers like an awful lot of money on Spotify plays. <laughs> over the past year. I mean, obviously, yeah. I would have had to have played it about a million times to earn a, a pound. But, yeah, I... I listen to the same tracks very yeah. often yeah. and it really I, does work. It does. It does really help. It helps you kind of quite quickly once you've done it enough times, get into that mode. Mm-hmm. And when I was writing Tender, I listened to the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack, the one from the 2005 film. And it's a soundtrack I love and I can't listen to anything with lyrics when I'm writing. And mm. so I would put that on and I would put it on with noise cancelling headphones because I was sometimes writing in my co-working space and sometimes I was at home, sometimes I was at a cafe. So I did like to put on the big headphones to signal to everyone that you should not interrupt me. <laughs> and um, and that music, I had it on a loop actually. And it yeah. just 
went straight in every time I was like, right, I'm in, I'm writing this book now. Um, except in December, the last month, cause I handed it in just before Christmas and I switched to the classical Christmas collection on Spotify <laughs> and listened to Christmas music for the last month, which is so ridiculous, but it worked somehow. I don't know how it worked, but, um, yeah, the fiction thing I'm doing, I'm, I'm, it's not set now. So I'm, I have a playlist. Mm. for when it's set yeah. which I put on to get me into writing mode for that I think it really helps I couldn't used to listen to music with lyrics and I can't listen to music that I've not listened to before when I'm writing mm. because then oh, yeah, I me too. To me it. too yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah it, so it, it has to, to melt yeah. into the background it has to be something that can it's got to um be there kind of for a function but I find now even when I put my headphones on that I go into like workspace and sometimes I'll realize that I'm sitting with my headphones on and there's no music on them I'm just got the yes. headphones on. yeah 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 definitely and that's the thing that's the other interesting thing it's like um just ritual in general can help mm-hmm. you very very quickly get into writing mode or any other kind of work mode that you're trying to do but um so figure out your own rituals whatever they are because if you can just literally do something for 20 seconds that signals that you're starting to work then you can be quite quickly into work mode, even if you've only got 25 minutes or something to Mm -hmm. work. So um, for some people that might be a fresh cup of tea um, or I know some people light a candle and put a candle on their desk and while the candle is burning, they're writing or um, it could be anything really. It doesn't really matter what it is. And apparently it's really interesting. I've done some reading about rituals for a random project thing and it doesn't matter what the ritual is like the research behind it, that doesn't matter what it is, but the ritual, just that you assign meaning to that ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether it's religious or whatever, sorry to anyone religious listening, it doesn't really matter what it is, but they're just very, very good for us and for um, knowing what's going to come next. Mm. Um, and weirdly also, because I have a child who's autistic, we spend a lot of time working on triggers because he can't process information very well. So everything is like, um, is set out to be, triggering one thing to the next to make yeah. it, his days a bit easier um and so I can see I've seen so powerfully how easily a trigger can help him and it can certainly help me as well so it's a good idea to have a think about um what you could set up as mm-hmm. a little mini ritual to start so that you're very quickly in that mode and then just do it over and over and over and over again until it's embedded <laughs> and also thinking of ritual because I love I love a good ritual um but I think (laughs) that thinking of a ritual that you find really pleasurable because it can at times feel quite like oh I've got to sit down I've got to work but if you're actually doing something that you really like so like I love coffee and um, I have like a pour over um that goes oh which is so such a ritual to make and it's such a ritual and it's really calming and actually I didn't realize what I was doing but when it was nap time it would sneak out and I'd pop the kettle on the stove and there's something so satisfying about a kettle under the gas putting the gas on and then (laughs) um then pouring it in and just that it's so pleasurable and you can kind of use that and multi-sensory pleasurable yeah, you know exactly. the, the smell mm-hmm. and the sound of the gas going on and the, it's just yeah multi-sensory no I love that as well and I think it's so um they're so powerful yeah and then I help think us get into a certain frame of exactly mind. but it also kind of um because it's such a pleasurable thing to do it's 
um, stimulating all like the reward parts of your brain so yeah. that you feel really good when you sit down to do something that you might have been dreading doing. I found um, when I was working on the book and well it was very much manuscript at that stage it didn't have an agent I didn't know if it was ever going to be something that would actually be bound between covers and when I was working on it I quite often dreaded sitting down to do it I didn't it wasn't um pleasurable at all um until the later stages when it became more about on a sentence level and that is hugely rewarding when you're making something sound better than it already sounded um and I yeah so I found that if I was making myself a cup of coffee and I was sitting enjoying the coffee that tricked me into thinking that I was enjoying (laughs) doing the work which is actually quite helpful so it is I did that for years that's before I had kids I always did morning pages and it was always with my first cup of tea of the day which is always the best cup of tea <laughs> is the best cup of tea and it was at 100% in my mind linked with writing mm-hmm. yeah. um, with journaling and stuff so yeah no I completely I completely know what you mean yeah um so there are definitely different ways but really I think what it comes down to is practicing like you have mm-hmm. to you kind of it's going to if you're used to, if you're in perhaps a previous life, <laughs> um, used to getting stretches of time that you're not getting anymore, um, and now you have to learn to write in tiny pockets because that's just what your life is sort of forcing to happen at the moment, um, it just takes practice. And so you just have to keep plugging away. And it's, it's interesting because obviously speaking to so many writer mothers over the past year, so many have had to do this mm-hmm. because the ch- children have been around so much. Yeah. Um, and it is possible. It doesn't mean you have to love it, by the way. You don't have to. <laughs> it doesn't have to be your ideal way of working. But if it's the only way you've got to work at the moment, don't let it scare you and give mm-hmm. it a try and do keep persevering because it's it can be done. Yeah. And I think it's quite um, – it's an easier way to work at different um, stages of the project as well. So Mm, I think that if you're um, at a first draft stage, it's, it's an easier thing to do. It's actually quite a um, valuable thing to do because you can sometimes find quite a few pockets. Like I managed to find a few Mm. pockets in my day so that I got a first draft out relatively quickly. So there was something to work with. Um, And it's, less easy to do I think when you're trying to refine something and and you really need to be able to think on a deeper level but Mm -hmm. then when you're coming back to um line edits uh, or something that's really intense and is intense concentration you can concentrate intensely for 25 minutes so that also can be really good if it is that kind of intense work I Mm. think so long as it's not so much necessarily maybe the prose work but yeah so it's that kind of thing as well of of learning how you work and what works at what stage as well because I now um leave because I'm now in the position where all the kids are away during the day um (laughs) provisional on a third wave and all those kind of things that we try not to and think about easter holidays but, um, us. <laughs> don't say easter just no it's not happening no. um yeah now i do um like most of the admin in intense short bursts because i see daytime as being solely for um 
writing so I don't answer emails I don't do those things in the time when the kids are at school so any of the kind of admin work I try and do in short bursts at different times because I quite often will leave um, that for once kids are home from school so between four and five becomes the emailing time yeah intense (laughs) short burst times yeah so it's it's really interesting but it totally is possible and completely doable it's also just that mind switch that I was talking about at the beginning Mm. from it not being possible to actually maybe I have more time than I think maybe I can put my phone down maybe I don't need to do this maybe you know maybe the bathroom does need cleaned but does it really need cleaned does the dusting really need done like to me um I used to place a lot of value on having like shiny surfaces Mm. and I'd still like them to be shinier than they are but it you know it's more nice to have rather than an essential yeah 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 and that's the thing isn't it and we will do this we'll do this in a in a future episode the time thing because um because it does come down to choices Mm -hmm. um and we forget we have choices sometimes with some of the things not all of the things some things we can't control other people yeah and I think Um, it yeah things we can make choices about Mm -hmm. and it comes down to if it's the right time to be doing it um so I would caveat so much of this was if you have a newborn it's maybe not the right time to be doing it you know it depends about your life um, circumstances and and about your constitution and so many other things so many Mm -hmm. kind of other variables act on it too but I know that for me personally um when I was finding little pockets of time to write I certainly felt a lot better yes and I felt a lot better about myself and um as much as you know I like things in the house to look nice or the house to be clean I was getting a lot more satisfaction from words piling up on the page as well yeah this is true and um and also all this applies to reading as well I know I Mm -hmm. do get a lot of messages from people on social media about how much I do manage to get through reading wise um and I would I'm very, very clear. I do, I do listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I spend a lot of time doing domestic stuff with uh, the you know, the old earphones plugged in and listening to books. And I do have a child who takes two hours to fall asleep at night, in which case I have two hours of guaranteed audio listening time as I sit with him. Um, but, um, but so on that note, all of this is, is applicable, obviously, to reading, which, um, mm-hmm. which if that's something that you want to do more, you can kind of apply the same things. But um, what have you been reading, Ali? Um, well, I have been reading um, this week mainly for work because I'm trying to um, get some ideas into an articulatable form for a proposal. <laughs> so I've been quite <laughs> swamped with um, having to, my brain needs to be in that and um when I'm at the beginning of a new project, I find it quite hard to read things that aren't related to it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find that my brain kind of just needs to be in that space. Um, and also we've been reading, um, as I said on last week's episode, that we've been reading uh, for the Women's Prize as well. So that's um, quite a big task that we've managed to set <laughs> ourselves um particularly with the holiday that can't be mentioned which will be happening <laughs> when this goes out so i've been reading instead of reading um 
any fiction that I'm going to talk about, I've been reading a book called Medical Muses, Hysteria in the 19th Century Paris by Astrid Hustvedt. And it is a brilliant book. I read it years ago um, and I've been rereading it. It's about a French doctor called Dr. Charcot and he um, was a neurologist and he took it on himself uh, to treat these women and it's debatable as to how effectively he was treating them and uh, the main subject that he tried to treat was the fact that they were women um tried to treat their their (laughs) hysteria (laughs) yes their hysteria that he tried to treat and it's a fascinating insight into um medical history and anyone who likes medical history would love this book it's really really interesting um his treatment was really contentious uh, it was exceptionally brutal and it was also quite exploitative he turned these women into spectacles they became um mm-hmm. almost well they were he, he treated them as objects and they became objects that the public came to see as well um they became quite famous and well known during the time that he was treating them and it's um written using um historical artifacts and really she's done this incredible job of bringing the past to life and making it it's not it doesn't read like a history book it's uh, reads so well it's beautifully written it's a really really fascinating book um i can't remember when it was out i'm actually going to have a look through as you can see my slightly dog-eared copy of this first published in britain in 2011 so yeah and uh, it was published by bloomsbury and it's really really fascinating um and it kind of what it does is it makes you think differently as well about psychiatry and about um the um not really the ethics of it but more about the kind of um i don't know what the word is like where it's come from and like yeah like it's it's history and how it and how its history affects it now kind of thing no it's more about that i just suddenly got the word it's more like the motivation Ah. is that i think we tend to think of i i always thought that psychiatry was there to make us better but it feels like psychiatry really was born of um, men's desire to explain women and mm. that physicians decided that they knew how to fix women. Um, other research I was doing is I'm reading another book um, about the emergence and history of anorexia as well mm-hmm. and eating disorders. And there was a doctor in this book and I can't remember his name and I can't remember the name of the book either because um, my memory is rubbish since covid for names names have just disappeared but um in this book about anorexia holy anorexia is called that's it um the doctors one doctor even said that he felt that women were just so bizarre that they couldn't be explained but that he was going to make it his mission to be able to explain women and that was his his the noble job he was taking on himself so yeah it's delightful oh he does i'm so (laughs) pleased that he managed to achieve so much to make me less of a riddle to myself but um yeah i think that this it really made me re-examine and reframe how i see psychiatry which is really useful for what i'm trying to work on too so yeah really good book really excellent Excellent. Well, I have done a a vast amount of reading this past week because I was in isolation. Um, And 
so, but many of them are women's prize long lists and we're going to save those. Ali and I are going to talk about those um, in a little while. Um, but I did read um, Summer Water by Sarah Moss. Oh, I read Sarah Moss last week oh, too. Oh, it was so good. And I actually picked it up in the, in the Christmas holidays and I meant to read it then, but, um, but I was, I was a bit worried. It was a bit dark and I put it down and I, I read mm. lots of very, very gentle things over Christmas <laughs> instead. So I picked it up again and oh my goodness, I'm so glad I did. It is so, so brilliant. And there's, it's set over one day um, on a Scottish lake in a kind of slightly old fashioned holiday park where there's just isolated cabins. There's no Wi-Fi. there's terrible phone signal. Um, and they're slightly run in these slightly rundown cabins in this terrible day of like pouring rain in August. I've got these different families. I think there's six different cabins um, and it's like a fishbowl. They're all just watching each other from their cabins because they're kind of slightly trapped um, and they're all there for very different reasons and they're all very different people. Um, and it's sort of just a great, it's all told from the different, uh, different perspectives and there's just a growing foreboding as the day goes on that something is really brewing and tension mm. is, is getting higher and higher and higher. And each of them are very judgmental about the others that are there and the tension just grows and grows and grows throughout the day. It's incredible. Like the atmosphere she creates is just incredible. Very much recommend. It's a very quick book. I think I banged it out in the day. I think I was just like, just inhaled it. It was so good. But, um, mm. but yeah, it was, it was excellent. And it has the most beautiful cover as well. Really, really beautiful. Her uh, covers are um, always gorgeous. I love Sarah Moss. I think she's brilliant at doing tension. She's really good oh, at attention. building oh, so good. and um, kind of like just unease. Yeah. She's very good at that. I um, picked up the title zone in a bookshop, a gorgeous bookshop um, called Main Street Books in the Scottish Borders. It's a bookshop um, and cafe and interior shop. And it honestly is just the best shop ever. I really miss it. It was a gorgeous shop. And I picked it up in the shop and started to read like the first two pages and I couldn't put it down. I just had to go and buy it because uh, <laughs> it was jazz and it was just one of those books where I just couldn't breathe for the first few chapters because I didn't quite know what she was going to do either I wasn't sure how brutal it was going to get I think yeah. she always kind of keeps well guessing. yes that's the thing is that you don't know you don't know it's like this building up of tension mm. and um oh yeah no it was incredible and now I'm gonna have to of course go and explore her whole back catalogue which is the really nice thing about reading a writer you haven't read before and getting mm. to indulge in all their other books Very her exciting. back catalogue is brilliant because I just read and I'd been given it ages ago as a present and hadn't read it ghost wall by her which is also uh, yeah. um really short and I said on the podcast last week um when you weren't there that I just I couldn't get into it and I was so disappointed because I love her work and couldn't manage to get into it for about the first nine pages and I was like oh but this is quite grueling but I'm gonna keep going and then it I finished it like before I even knew it because it just gripped <laughs> me and she does exactly the same thing in that where you don't know what's going to happen mm. and you think you know what's going to happen but you're kind of not sure if you're right but you also don't you really don't want to be right yes, yes. <laughs> you're going oh please don't do this to these people oh. um yeah she's brilliant she's she very brilliant. very good so. oh, wow it was 
lovely chatting to you. I'm um, glad I could speak, even though I'm not feeling fabulous. Um, and we'll see you again next week. Absolutely. You've been listening to Not Too Busy to Write with Ali Miller and Penny Windsor. You can find show notes, including the best ways to get in touch with us, as well as any reading recommendations mentioned in the episode at nottoobusytowrite.com. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe. And please go ahead and leave us a little review. It really helps others to find the podcast. You can find Ali on Instagram at Ali underscore Miller underscore writes and Penny at Penny Windsor. Music and editing is by Ewan Miller McMeekin.